It could be seen as a funny story. It could be seen as a traumatic story. I try and see it as a funny story. But like, I used to have to get into the boot of the car every day to go to school, right? Because uh, there was no space. Like. <laughs> and if we went on family holidays, I'd be in the boot on the motorway like, <laughs> with, with the cat. Um, you know, like, so pretty funny. Uh, character building for sure. I'm Chris O'Hare, your Quick Win CEO, and in this show, we talk to entrepreneurs and industry experts on different ways to improve your business, along with their three Quick Win recommendations. And this week, we talk to investment entrepreneur, Lawrence Grant. But in this particular episode, we get to look into Lawrence's background and see what makes him tick before talking about how to get investment for your startup in the next episode. But before we get going, just a quick marketing message. If you need an app, but only want to pay an affordable monthly fee, you should definitely check out our new product, App 100, which is limited to the first 100 businesses. Just go to app100.club. Let's go. Lawrence, tell me the last thing that you, you read or watched or did that left an impression on you. And it, it could be anything. It could be a Netflix series, a book that you read, or even a funny video um well obviously you know our chat before this was really uh leaving an impression on me so uh that was good always good to catch up chris but uh, in, all, <laughs> in all seriousness um yesterday something popped up you know when things pop up you know a few times uh, and it's maybe not the first or third or fifth time but eventually like i've got to watch this um so i watched the stephen bartlett interview with mo gordat um, yesterday, uh, it's everything you know about happiness is wrong, basically. And the guy's got an amazingly incredible story and background. He's the, well, he was the ex head of Google X uh, for business. Um, opened more than half of Google's offices across the world. Like just an absolute genius, uh, super super engineer um, and thinker. But went through a massive trauma. Uh, lost his son at the age of uh, 21 his son, his son passed away and his son for him was like this kind of uh, zen buddhist uh, entity right he was just very very knowledgeable very wise um, always consulted with his dad on very important issues and gave him a very heartfelt answer that seemed to make sense with the universe and he um, it just talks about happiness and and they made an equation together before his son kind of passed away on, on how to achieve happiness and things like that. Um, but it's really eye-opening. I like when people step beyond, you know, there's a lot of content out there, you know, um, about how to succeed, you know, in, in, in five minutes or how to do this and do that and get things quick. And I think there's a, there's quite a lot of toxicity in that. And there's also, you know, Instagram, for example, is, is not a great place to be if you're in any way self-conscious. Um, but, you know, it talks a lot about happiness and, and how to minimize expectations and um, how to perceive things in a different way. So it's not a very popular opinion, but, you know, happiness is a choice. Um, a lot of people shy away from that uh, because especially if life is good for people like you and I, right, we've got very little to complain about. Easily top 10, probably top 5% of the world just by a lot of luck. Um but happiness is a choice and it's not that life happens to me it's that my perception of life happens to 
the world, right? You can choose how to perceive the good and the bad in things uh, and to manage your expectations so that, you know, expect less, um, be happy more, basically. I've explained it in a, in a terrible way compared to Mo and Stephen, so I would definitely recommend going and watching that. Um, but yeah, really, really strong, strong start to my uh, weekend. So I watched that yesterday. It's good. It's funny because a lot of um, this podcast guests quote Stephen Bartlett. Um, mm. So I think that says a lot about the company you keep in terms of um, the, the way you feel about life. So Stephen Bartlett, for some reason, just resonates with me and obviously my guests and my company that I keep. So you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Great quote. Mm. And in terms of the people around me that also follow that, it just shows that there's a, there's a growth mindset there, uh, always moving forwards, always trying to be better at everything. And that's what Stephen Bartlett does, but he does it in such a, um, a humble and, uh, and, and almost, I mean, it clues in his name of his podcast, right? The secret diary of a CEO. So he tries to dig into the, the dark side of being an entrepreneur and the emotional side of it. But in terms of uh, happiness, I mean, what is happiness for you? Well, I mean, probably informed by other people that are smarter than me, you know, and, and kind of borrowing from this equation yesterday. Happiness actually is your perception of reality versus your expectation. And if, um, if your expectation is lower than your perception, then you will be happy, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the examples that Mo uses is rain right rain itself is not something that inherently makes people happy or sad uh if you have a garden that needs to be watered and it rains you are happy about that mm. right because your expectation is oh i really want my plants to to be healthy and happy so they need some rain and then the perception is it rained uh you know things have gone my way you're happy if you want to go out and sunbathe rain's not going to make you very happy so it all starts with your expectation of um, of life or the perception of, of your experience. And if you can minimize your expectations, then then that's a really good way to start with happiness. Um, in terms of, this was also on the podcast, but it's something I've always thought for a very long time, which is that gratitude is the most um, sustainable version of happiness. Um, in fact, gratitude in terms of the expectation, reality, paradox or dynamic, always searches for something that is better than your expectation of the situation if you meet someone for the first time and they say thank you and smile you can really dig, dig a, a lot of value out of that um, because you're grateful for that interaction you know some people just very distracted you know doing what busy people do checking an email distracted by the pings and and uh, noises from the phone or or you know busy trying to get something done we often think about the future in the past uh, quite a lot and I think happiness and gratitude is a very present thing. Um, again, borrowing from knowledge of other people. You look at emotions that are associated with the past and the present. Oh, sorry, the past and the future. Anxiety is a future thing. Um, you know, worry or regret is a past thing, right? Um, but a lot of things in the present, emotions in the present are where you find a lot of the positive emotions like peace and, uh, you know, gratitude and calm and, um, you know those types of things so it's very interesting to think about that as being as being present you know we've had a a massive deluge of uh, eastern wisdom 
over the last kind of 10 years, I think, in, in Western society. And there's a lot to learn from that, I think. So, so that's my version of happiness is mainly gratitude and, and keeping your expectations low, uh, as low as possible. So do you, does that translate into a vision? Is there a goal in, in mind? Is there something tangible that you can say that's your happiness point? And I, I know it's very subjective and I know it's all about your perspective and, and the, the kind of the, the moment in time that you're currently living and, and how, you know, different factors can influence happiness scale depending, you know, if you're having a really good time, then, you know, happiness could be that that time ends and it's more status quo. Whereas some other mm. people like they, they have this ultra ambitious uh, mindset, which is kind of what I'm going to dig into next. So I just kind of want to know if that, if there's a goalpost there and what that goalpost looks like. Yeah. So again, um, I did learn a lot from this uh, podcast yesterday. So that, that's why I borrowed from it so much. It's fresh in my mind, but you know, um, I think a lot of, a lot of people, uh, especially we're grown, we kind of grow up to think that you know social mobility upwards is is a positive thing, and it can be, but only to a certain extent, right? You know, the free fuel T-shirt that I have in my cupboard is good quality, as we both kind of agree, right? And it's is free. Uh, I didn't pay a million pounds for it. I didn't pay a grand for it. It's not Armani. It's not anything like that. But it makes makes me happy like you know i put it on i feel, feel comfortable little things like that little wins like that right um of course on an ambition front you know i want to succeed i want to do really really well um but ambition is separate to expectation right so if my expectation is low but my ambition is high if i have a bad day something goes wrong i call someone i have a like they, they don't want to be called or we have a dispute or you know i, I step in a puddle whatever it happens to be that day if my expectation is I'm my my expectation must meet my ambition, you'll never be satisfied. And a lot of people have that issue. Um, they'll even succeed uh, per se socially, you know, have a significant amount of money in the bank, really nice clothes. Maybe they have a beautiful wife. Maybe they have uh, or husband. Maybe they have um, a really flashy car outside or a whole garage of cars. Um, but you know, they're not that happy. Uh, and you see, you hear it all the time on these accounts of podcasts, right, where people are saying, you know, I've got everything, but I'm not that happy. Mm -hmm. um, and really, it just shows you we don't need that much to be happy. Uh, my morning routine makes me happy. You know, if I do that correctly, small things. I've got like a really long, random uh, acronym that I, I, I try and follow every morning, which is when dinosaurs teach melons, eggs smell super spicy and dogs bake bread well and it's just an acronym that i remember to do all those things uh, in the morning not to teach melons but to to uh get up to get dressed to have a cup of tea to meditate if possible to exercise if possible um to shower self-care which could be shaving stuff like that and then dogs break bake bread well is dress again have breakfast brush my teeth get started on my work and that, that's pretty much it. If I can do that before 9am, that's a really good start to the day. And I feel really, really happy. If I do nine out of 15 of those things, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not unhappy. I just, except that that's not been the perfect start to the day. 
So, yeah, I mean, ambition, happiness, gratitude, expectation, they're all very interesting things if you break them down. Um, but perfection is the is the enemy of all progress is something that I always like to remember. Don't yeah. aim for perfection. Um, you can you can you can have ambitions to do really, really well. But in terms of the expectation, don't expect perfect. Expect the opposite. Expect imperfection, right? Um, expect problems, issues. Um, but you can aim as high as you want. There's no problem in that. Just don't let ambition be your expectation. I think something else we were talking about before was consistency and mm. how that's such a important part of happiness, but also as in perfection doesn't exist because as long as you're consistent, you're always moving towards perfection and growth and, and you're always moving forwards. Um, whereas if you have that way of thinking where you've got to do everything perfect first time round, then you're always going to make yourself feel bad. You're going to get into that spiral of the more you do, the worse it gets. Uh, and so I think consistency, and again, that's something Stephen Bartlett taught me. <laughs> you know, I, I could probably quote Stephen Bartlett a lot of the time or his yeah. guests. Um, yeah. But I think that's really important. I think that word consistency is way more valuable than every other word that I've heard in terms of, you know, entrepreneur lifestyle or, or whatever. It's actually yeah. entrepreneurs are just really good at being consistent uh, and moving forwards all the time. That's what I would say. Yeah. But okay. So in terms of being an entrepreneur, right? Would you class yourself as an entrepreneur first and foremost? I'm not picky. I'm not, I'm not like really picky. Uh, sure. I don't mind it. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> All right. So what drives you as an entrepreneur? What, what's that thing that's made you hungry? That's made you get out of bed in the morning and it could be anything, right? So it could be something in your childhood. It could be something that inspired you. You could have a chip on your shoulder. You could, yeah. you know, there's definitely every, every entrepreneur I've ever spoken to has something that seems to push them beyond yeah. the day-to-day -day normal that maybe the other non-entrepreneurs um, wouldn't have. Do you know that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, it could be quite a long answer. I think maybe in my late teens, early twenties, had that kind of crisis. I think a lot of people have where you recognize certain people who just knew what they wanted to do, right? They knew what they wanted to do. They went and did it, you know, and, and life, life seemed to be going pretty well. Um, and I, I thought that I didn't have that. And actually when I did start to dig into myself and, you know, as you mentioned, when I was younger, I always had a sense of even as young as seven or eight, um, wanting to do something very special and feeling actually like I could do that. Um, you know, to give a bit of context, didn't have the easiest upbringing in a, in a top five, 10% context, to be honest. Um, I was one of kind of five kids, single mum, uh, small, small house, very small house in West Croydon um, for my sins. I must have been pretty bad in a previous life. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we didn't have much. Uh, my mum was first name basis on with the bailiff, like my whole life, probably still <laughs> to this day. Um, so that's that's always been a struggle. Um, but you know, 
I think growing up in Croydon in particular, you're very aware of almost every walk of life. You know, you're, you're only two miles away from the Web Estate, uh, which is one of the richest places, you know, the, the, the most wealthy uh, residential areas in Surrey. Um, you've got footballers and massive real estate tycoons living there and web uh, and media kind of gurus and stuff who've done really well and earned multiple millions. Um, and then, you know, where I lived, you had people being robbed and killed and stabbed and everything on a weekly basis. Um, and every different color, every different sound, uh, like, you know, you can't find uh, any corner of the world that is not represented in Croydon, to be honest, that's, that's how I feel. Um, and it gave me a very kind of broad uh, mind of, of what the world is and, and how vast it is. It wasn't a bubble that I grew up in. Um, but again, you know, being one of five, you grow up quite competitive, I think, with your with your kind of siblings and naturally in a small amount of space, you know, there's a lot of power dynamics there. Uh, and I was the fourth youngest um, out of five. And it goes brother, sister, sister, me, sister. But my youngest sister was eight years younger. And me and my other three siblings were within four years of each other, four or five years. So it's very close. And I was the youngest of those guys. So, you know, could be, could be seen as a funny story. It could be seen as a traumatic story. I try and see it as a funny story, but like I used to have to get into the boot of the car every day to go to school, right? Because uh, there was no space, right? <laughs> and if we went on family holidays, I'd be in the boot on the motorway, like <laughs> with, with the cat, um, you know, like, so pretty funny, uh, character building for sure. Um, and that's just one example of like being in a pretty low economic household, you know, trying to live a normal life, realizing everything's just very like makeshift all the time. And I saw my mum struggle a lot and I didn't want her to struggle. Um, I saw people around me struggle quite a lot, especially financially. So it wasn't necessarily that I wanted to be rich, but I wanted to do something profound um, to bring happiness to people who maybe didn't have a lot of that growing up. Um, the entrepreneurial side of things was a bit of a an accident, I would say. So I was very bad in school. Uh, I got expelled, just about made it through to college, um, just about made it through to uni, studied English Lit because it kept a lot of doors open. And, you know, any questions about the hungry caterpillar, you can, you can ask me, um, <laughs> you know, and then started publishing. I was in editing. I liked the people. Uh, people skills that I wasn't able to enact at the editing job but, you know I knew I was good at, good with people and relationships and communication so I ended up starting a business with a friend of mine at the time and um, we grew that to you know um, not not a massive amount of money we weren't paying ourselves a lot it's called Shaking Hands it was a um, director to director networking events company so we met a lot of influential people in Croydon um, and we overtook like the local chamber of commerce and in terms of, excuse me, uh, membership and stuff like that. So, so we did really well, uh, made a lot of contacts. But I think during that stage, I had a lot of things going on in my life at that point, um, which I probably won't share on the podcast. But it was it was a it was a pretty deep dark time, especially for my family and even myself in certain relationships. And um, I realised I didn't want to live in. I wanted to make a choice to get up every day uh, as much as possible and make forward steps in my life I became quite obsessed with 
like analytics and being clinical and being organized and, and things like that to break out of quite a sticky uh, trapping uh, environment that I was in, right? You know, Croydon's a hard place to get away from, I personally think, you know, <laughs> unless you apply yourself and you have the right guidance. And my guidance came from friends, but also from, you know, people I consider to be friends I've never met, like people on podcasts, you know, the David Goggins of the world, you know, the uh, not so much Stephen Bartlett's necessarily, but people who have been through serious struggle and they've come out the other side and they can show you that despite the fluidity of the whole universe and the fact that you can't control anything, you can... You can't control the ocean, but you can control which direction your sail is pointed in, essentially. Um, and then that's I really, yeah, I like that. Um, so I try and direct my sail as best as possible, but you know the wind's unpredictable too. So um, yeah, uh, that that's kind of what gave me my drive. I think having a purpose bigger than yourself is important uh, as a second point, a short point, which is um, for me, you know, I would like to create more than I consume before I kick the bucket. Um, and I'd also like to, as much as possible, bring lightness uh, or balance um, to dark places in the world. So that that's probably going to be my next ten years, my next chapter, if I'm able to. Um, you know, at the moment I'm I'm working remotely. I, I afforded myself the luxury of freedom to work where I want uh, on my own company, um, which is huge for me. I've always loved to travel, so I'm in Mexico at the moment, um, and you know, for me. Uh, I'd like to discover places and people who need support um, or would benefit from seeing that there's another way to live um, and maybe some darker places. It doesn't have to be somewhere foreign. It could be it could be in the UK, right? Um, there's plenty of problems in the UK. And to show them, yeah, that there is a, a different way to live. I've got a whole other concept that I call the sphere. I'm not sure we're going to cover that in this conversation, but it seems to be something that I can't get out of my brain. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to follow that as much as possible. And it's a lot to do with the dynamic between finding balance in a very colourful world with a lot of lightness and a lot of, a lot of darkness. But yeah, that's a, that's a different, different topic. <laughs> I, I love how raw you were in terms of the, the kind of dynamics you had with your, your siblings in terms of how you essentially had this competition with them uh almost to kind of almost get your attention of your uh, almost of your mum as well and, and kind of show how you were this uh cohesive team but also individuals as a, as a whole and obviously you being feeling like you were the youngest obviously because you were at that point um you probably tried a lot harder would you say that any of these qualities have rubbed off these entrepreneurial qualities are rubbed off onto your your, your brothers and sisters um, so my entrepreneurial qualities. Yeah. So, so, so like in terms of the, the family dynamic, has, right. has they, have they become quite normalized in your family or is it just mainly around, uh, is it just you, you're the entrepreneur? Um, uh, I'd say the male, uh, so me and my older brother, um, my older brother did extremely well uh, going in the kind of city route. So he started out as a recruiter. Um, after graduating he did English Lit as well and he spent probably eight nine years in recruitment became the vice president of Moody's Analytics which is like 
huge. Right, yeah, wow. <laughs> um, and then set up his own company. But I do, you know, I, I, I did recognize when I, because I was running my own company pretty much the whole time, four years behind him. Um, I didn't really work for anybody else. And I think, I think there might be an element of, of that being quite useful to him to see that the, the, there was that streak. And certainly in my family, not my immediate family, my sisters are much more, um, I'd say I'm like emotive and they're more to do with, you know, having a good day every day, doing the best that they can every day, whether that's going to work or, you know, one of my sisters has two, two girls to look after. Um, and my youngest sister's going through university. Who knows? She, she seems like she's got a, a bit of a, a streak. I wouldn't say it's entrepreneurial, but, you know, she's very creative. She's very um, good at producing things and uh, she's super intelligent as well. Um, but yeah, I think that, uh, you know, in terms of the entrepreneurial side of things, we definitely have the resilience is probably the main characteristic, I'd say, that makes us uh, or, or could be comparable to, to entrepreneurialism. But I'd say, um, yeah, for me personally, it's something that, yeah, I just I just found myself very comfortable there. It's an uncomfortable place. I'm pretty comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Other people might think it's ridiculous or crazy. I quite enjoy seeing how life goes when you make it a jump and you're not sure what's on the other side, mm. to be honest. Well, that isn't, isn't this what life's about? Challenging yourself and seeing how you react and, and how you can adapt. And, and Stephen Bartlett talks about this. I mean, might as well call this the Stephen Bartlett, Stephen Bartlett podcast. podcast but, yeah. um, but he talks about, you know, how he finds his happiness in chaos. Um, and, it's, mm. and, it, and it's a really good point. It's like once he feels like he's too complacent, and he's making decisions out of fear, he needs to almost jump in the deep end and, and make sure that he instills that chaos in his life to um, make sure that it's not uh, complacency that he's living for instead of, you know, actually moving forwards and growing. <clears throat> but in terms yeah. of you as an entrepreneur, um, what, describe what it is that you are and what, what it is that you do. Yeah, so uh, my name is Lawrence Grant. Um, I am a self-made, am I allowed to say self-made in these days? I don't think I am. Um, <laughs> no. So uh, in short, I am the founder of a company that raises investment for, at this point, startups that are seed and pre-series A. Um, so I'm an investment broker, if you like. Um, completely blindsided myself with with this move, this kind of career move. It wasn't something that was ever on the horizon for me, but as you mentioned, um, spotted some opportunities, learned a fair bit through throwing myself in the deep end of business and starting a few different businesses. Um, and then, of course, setting up um, Sussex University's first ever investment brokerage from absolute scratch. Uh, and that went pretty well, raised um, just shy of a million pounds in um, 11 months now. So I'm actually on 950k uh, and I really want to get 50k in before December so I can say that kind of one million milestone was achieved within 12 months. Pretty vacuous, pretty vain, but uh, that's what I'm going for. So yeah, that's what we're doing now. Um, the company I run is called Found Capital. I have a kind of semi-passive uh, business partner with a lot of contacts called uh, Nick. And um, yeah, we're doing well. It's two months in. Um, we're picking probably one out of 100 companies who are raising to represent. We take a success fee, which is pretty standard in the industry. It's 5% of whatever money you raise. Um, so whatever money you can get to 
be given from an investor or a fund into that uh, company's bank account. You take 5% of that. The thing that is uncharacteristic of other investment brokers is that we always reinvest part of our fee back into the company. Investors like that, founders obviously like that. Um, and the benefit of that is that we have a vested interest in the companies we work with and they are quite willing to help out other founders that we introduce to the platform um, as we grow, right? So we're only two months in, but there's a group of four or five founders that have all raised um, on valuations that surpass five million, six million pounds. A valuation is how much your company is worth um, or how much you say it's worth and how much an investor can believe that <laughs> and then put money in at that valuation, right? Same way when you bet on a horse, it has odds. Uh, odds are like the same as a valuation pretty much. So yeah, uh, that's what we're doing now. It's going really well. Need a, uh, to do a lot of work on operations, structures, finances, you know, all the things that come with starting a new business. I feel like I'm a little bit of a uh, scarred veteran in, in that sense, you know, I've, I've done it a few times now. So um, it feels good. It feels good, it's going well. We landed our first couple of deals already. Um, and I'm fingers crossed for a, a big deal next week, but we, we shall see. I'll keep my expectations low on that one. Yeah, well, good. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's all about the happiness. Um, <laughs> but um, really appreciate that. And so what about um, kind of round up this particular episode? What's your main piece of advice uh, for other entrepreneurs, um, especially maybe around what we've been talking about today? Just one piece. Give us a golden so, nugget. Is that, is that more about happiness or investment or fundraising or anything? It, it just as being an entrepreneur, like what's a piece of advice for being an entrepreneur in your realm of, of your life and the experiences that you've lived? I would say don't underestimate relationships is my key thing. Um, always seek to learn from everybody around you. Um, and be very clear about where you are trying to get to, you know, have a clear goal of where you're trying to get to. It helps, um, you know, everyone's probably heard that phrase, you can have a dream, but to make a dream a reality, you need to create a plan, you know, a destination, a plan, and then small steps to get there. Um, but yeah, certainly I think the, the key thing that helps you get there is, is relationships. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to accept that you don't know things. Um, you know, to, to throw out and maybe one other nugget is embrace the fact that you don't know things and be honest if you don't know things because uh, people will give you the answer if they have it. Don't mm. pretend you know everything. Yeah, it's really stupid. <laughs> so, yeah, it's true. It's, it's an ego thing, though, isn't it? It's it's people don't like to show weakness when actually it's probably one of the best things you can do because you can actually get help to deal with that problem. So, yeah, yeah exactly. appreciate that. No worries. Yeah, thanks so much for the invitation. Appreciate that. I hope you enjoyed that, guys. And make sure you're subscribed for the next episode where we talk about how to get investment for your startup. I'm your Quick Win CEO, signing out. <laughs>